0: Mac Power Users, Episode 106, Finder Alternatives. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, back again with David Sparks. Good to be back. How are you, David?
1: Yes, Katie, it's good to have you back.
0: Yeah, sorry for leaving you hanging there at the last minute, but I, I appreciate you stepping in and a uh, great show last week. It was it was fun to listen to it uh for the first time as a listener.
1: Yeah. Yeah, hopefully did I put you to sleep?
0: No, you didn't put me to sleep.
1: <laughs> okay. It was a fun show. Yeah. I thought that, you know, the stuff he was doing was pretty amazing. And, you know, since the show came out, I've had a lot of nice messages from people who are, are discovering this stop motion stuff. You know, the creative industry runs on the Mac.
0: That's absolutely true. And it, it kind of always has been, but more so now than ever, really.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's great to see these guys doing this amazing stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, let, let's flip to a whole totally different topic, and maybe maybe somewhat the different side of our brain, and and let's talk about the Finder a little bit. And yeah, you know, the Finder is something that's been around with us as, as long as we've been using the Mac. I can remember back to my days of of using my my original one twenty eight K Mac, and the Finder, although it was black and white and it was teeny tiny, and you know, there there wasn't any built-in hard drive. I was just flopping, you know, floppy disks back and forth. Still as recognizable as the same Finder that we have today.
1: Well, let's go back even further. Cause, okay. Because I've got a little more gray hair. Okay. I, uh, I remember my first experience with the Finder. Um, sitting down at the first Macintosh that I was, you know, given access to. It wasn't mine. And I had been dealing with computers like the you know, the Apple II and the Atari ST. Well, actually, it was the Atari ST. At that time, it was the Atari 400 and IBM PC. And the disk operating system, the DOS, was command line based. Sure. You, know, you learn the commands, copy, A, colon, whatever. And the first time I saw the Finder, it just blew my mind. you know Like that guy in that Samsung commercial where he goes, you right. know? it's just like, because all of a sudden... This wasn't a bunch of abstract text. It was visual. I mean, there was a trash can. I mean, that was amazing. And you opened the drive and you saw the little icons for the files. And you can take the mouse and drag them. And I, this probably sounds pedantic to someone who didn't grow up when we didn't have the Finder. But to start out with, it was pretty amazing. And I know the story that Apple boosted this stuff from Xerox Park and um, there's a lot of other different, you know, stories about how all this came to be. And I'm certain that Apple didn't invent all this stuff. But as a user back in, you know, that time, 1984, uh, it was the first time I'd seen it. And I thought it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like like even the icon for the uh, three and a half inch disc, which was the little floppy disc with the thing on it, you know, the slider, the little metal slider.
0: That actually kind of looked like a
1: disc. Yeah, it just it really just blew me away. And it was the first time i had ever had fun, you know, working with the disk operating system. And, and I think it's something to marvel at even now, it's like the way the touch, you know, has changed the way we compute over the last few years, Um, the finder and the graphic user um, operating what is it the GUI has really changed the way things worked back in that day. So there's nothing to uh, – I guess looking back, I think the Finder is something spectacular to begin with because it's easy to take it for granted now. It's been around for so many years, and it really hasn't changed, which goes to your point. But right. The, You're the looking at almost ex-
0: 30 years with the Finder now.
1: Yeah. The very existence of the Finder is is really quite remarkable. That's but true. if you were to put 1984 Dave into a time machine and fast-forward him to today – And look at, you know, sit down in front of a computer. There'd be a lot of things that I'd I'd be pretty confused about and it would take some time to figure out. But the Finder I'd have no trouble with because it really hasn't changed much. And that's the curse. Every time we get a new operating system from Apple, there's a group of us that say, well, what about the Finder? How come it, you know, why didn't they try and do something with it?
0: Well, and And, especially when you think of all the ways that Apple has, has revolutionized say for example the the touch based screen industry the phone industry the tablet industry the, these are industries that sure we had cell phones before apple we had tablets before apple but they looked nothing like what we have now but yet the finder still looks like the finder
1: yeah and i know there's steve jobs video of this somewhere i think i've seen it i'm going to make an attempt to find it before we publish uh, but you know where Jobs is talking about the the disk operating system is basically a letdown for the customers, and I think the reason why the Finder doesn't get a lot of attention is because Apple doesn't want to develop the Finder. I mean, they their I, their goal is exactly what we're seeing with iOS, the Finderless operating system, where the documents just exist pursuant to the applications. The users don't have to think about getting into a particular directory or particular drive, they open an application and work from there. And there's things that are good about that, and there are things that are bad about that. I mean, this in some way matches the discussion we've had over the last year or so on this show about iCloud. Because, you know, Apple comes up with these technologies that are much simpler, and they're easier for, you know, normal humans to adopt and put into their daily life But at the same time, they're limiting and don't provide the same degree of flexibility that us power users are used to. So you have this dichotomy. You have Apple's direction, which is uh, we don't want to talk about the Finder. We really don't want to do much to the Finder. And we'd like to pretend the Finder doesn't exist. And then you've got the power users that are saying we want more out of the Finder. And as a result, the Finder has to a certain degree languished and not developed But there's this third-party environment out there that are making some applications, two in particular we're going to talk about today, that take the Finder and run with it. So there is an option out there for power users on the Mac. And I've wanted to kind of talk about that on the show for some time, and we finally got to it. So here we are talking about Finder alternatives.
0: Yeah. And it's funny. If you look at Launchpad, for an example, which has just come around in the last couple versions of the Finder that we've seen or the last couple versions of the OS that we've seen – that is going in, in one direction, closer to the iOS direction. And I think if Apple had launched or could relaunch the Finder completely today or even a couple of years ago, that's probably more the direction they would go. But you have you know, these old fogies like us and probably a lot of the listeners to our show who are saying, we want you to go the complete opposite way. We want you to go the power user's way into the Finder and, and more the way that some of these tools like Pathfinder, like Total Finder that we're going to talk about in this show, have instead gone. I don't, I don't know that they will. I don't think that they will. But that's kind of why some of these these third party tools have, have popped up.
1: Well, I certainly don't have any inside information, but my guess is, if I had to bet a thousand dollars, I'd say that Apple is at no point going to make the Finder more powerful along the lines of the applications we're talking about today. And if they can figure out a way to eventually kill them on the Mac, they will. But at the same time, I don't see them necessarily stopping these third-party developers for creating these third-party apps. I mean, I think we're kind of at a detente on this issue. And I don't think it's really ever going to change until, you know, ultimately this iOS and the Mac operating systems at some point combine somehow. And and I don't think it's going to be good for power users when that happens that like the Finder and, and those options. Right. But that's, you know, that's just speculation, and I think it's years away before that becomes an issue. So the question is today, what can you do with the Finder? And if you want more out of it, where do you go?
0: And, and I think we've already talked about that quite a lot on some of our past shows. We're already using tools and utilities to get around some of the inefficiencies of the Finder. I'm doing less and less with the Finder now because I'm using tools like LaunchBar, because I'm, I'm using other add-ons and other hacksies, so to speak, uh to get around the finder. And and I think that's probably in and of itself is another show that we could probably devote an entire show in and of itself to to finder add-ons and finder utilities. But I think what we're going to try to do here instead is is talk about a couple of finder alternatives or finder replacements instead.
1: Yeah. Um, before we do that though, let's just kind of tease everybody a little bit on that. Because if you're sitting there listening to the show right now, there are some things you can do and you don't want to look into these other options. Right um, uh, y- you can use things like like launchbar to me is the ultimate finder add-on because I get to files you know the, the, what's the point of the finder is to find files right so uh, using launchbar it remembers folders, so I can very quickly get to a folder if i if I hit launch bar, activate launch bar and i t- type. Uh, so, I hit Command Space to activate Launch Bar, and then I type the letters MPU.
0: Right. That was the example it, I was going to bring up. There you go. It
1: goes, to, it goes to Dropbox. It opens the shared folder that you and I have to mm-hmm. run this podcast. And then I hit Space, and it gives me a list of the subfolders under there. And since we archive old shows, it's only going to have a few folders, which will be the show that we're getting ready to record and the next two or three that we have in process. And so, with just a couple taps and space bars, I can be into that folder. No, You 19- don't hunt
0: and peck around in the finder. You don't go to the little finder icon, and then and you don't go to your to your user icon, and then you don't go to the documents icon, and then you don't go to the dropbox icon, and then you don't go to the MPU icon, and then that's yes. the way you'd have to do it before.
1: Yeah, 1984 it would have been a little different. So using things like launch bar, I improve the functionality of the finder. And the other big one for me is Moom. M O O M, -hmm. And we've talked about that app on the show so much that I think people are tired of hearing me talk about it. But it's a $10 window organization app. And there's a lot of window organization apps. This is the one that, you know, pushes my buttons. It's not the only one. But using a window organization app, you can solve one of the big problems with the Finder is multi pane display. I mean, Finder doesn't let you have two panes open in the same window. So you've got to open multiple instances of it. So to move files from one folder to the next, it seems quite tedious. But using a Windows management app like Moom, you can, you can set that up. And so that's, you know, if you don't want to, if you just want to stop right there and it's go get to work, there's a couple things you can do.
0: And, and we've got an entire show that we did on LaunchBar. If you want to go back into the archives, it was one of our earlier shows. We'll put a link in the show notes to it.
1: Yeah, we're going to have to go back and, and look at that again. In fact, I'll tell you a show I want to do. I'm just going to lay it out there now. We're going to do All a right. show, and we're going to do kind of a launcher smackdown. And we're going to look at um, LaunchBar okay. and Alfred yeah. and Quicksilver. and Is Quicksilver
0: uh, being developed again?
1: Yeah, it's you know it's uh, open source, but I right. know there's builds of it out there. I know some people are using. It. I know Merlin was trying to use it again. I know some other people that are using it. I know some people who are Power Alfred users. I used Alfred for a month, and I think it's a good app too. But I'm still using LaunchBar. So w- we'll get some people on and do a good show on that. That's coming up. Let us know what you think. Uh, right. But anyway, let's get back to what we're here for today: uh, Finder alternatives. And be- before we do that, you want to talk about the first sponsor?
0: Yeah, yeah, because we're going to talk about the granddaddy of Finder alternatives, and that is Total Finder. But but before we go there, let's let's talk about our first sponsor, and that is Gazelle. And uh, you know, we've got these brand new iPhone fives. I've got mine, David. You've you've got yours.
1: I do. I love it. I can't get over how light this thing is. It
0: is. It is really light and thin. And people were in my office. They were they were all saying, you know, Gosh, Katie, you just went out and you you spent all this money on a brand new iPhone. And I said, Well, you know, the phone starts at one hundred ninety nine bucks. I, you know, of course didn't tell them that I got the, you know, super duper level phone. And I said, but there's this great service where you go online and, and they'll sell back your own phone. And I got, you know, almost enough from, from them to cover the cost of my new phone. So it really didn't cost me that much to upgrade. And so they're like, really? I can I can do that? I was like, yeah, you don't have to do the eBay thing. You don't have to do the Craigslist thing. Uh, you know, you don't have to deal with selling it to one of your buddies. And then what happens if it doesn't work down the line, and then you've got this awkward situation where, ooh, you sold me a bum device, no I didn't, yes you did, and how does that work out? And so I was telling everybody in the office about Gazelle, and that's uh, G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com. So what you do is you go onto Gazelle, I know the iPhones are still somewhat difficult to find even now, uh, but tell them what you've got, have you got an iPhone 4, got an iPhone 4S, is it AT&T, is it Verizon, what size is it, what condition is it in? Uh, type in all that information. They will give you a quote. The quote is good for 30 days. Uh, you can lock it in, so that should give you plenty of time to go go find your new iPhone, whether you pre-order it from Apple or AT and T or Verizon or Sprint or anybody else that you can pre-order your phone from, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, and then when your new phone arrives, Gazelle will send you a box. You can pack it up in the box, send it with the packing material. Although I got to tell you about my old phone, and ship it off to them. And uh, Gazelle will then send you a check, send you PayPal, you tell them how you want to get paid, and check arrives in the mail, deposit the check in your account, go buy new, more new stuff for your phone. Easy as that.
1: Yeah, you know, I did the exact same thing at the office today, because yeah. they were asking, how did you pay for this? I'm like, it's easy, you know. Uh, well, one of the advantages of being, you know, having kids is that they have phones and you have to pay all this money for all their phones. But the advantage is you always have an upgrade available. Right. So the new phone comes out. I get the new one. And uh, I could sell, I'm just looking right now as we record this show, a Apple iPhone 4S 32 gigabyte AT&T. The gazelle will give you 225 bucks for it. That will yeah. pay for a new iPhone 5 if there you're go. Uh, if you're available to get renew your contract, so it's really a great deal. And like you said, it's it's just no trouble. You, they send you the envelope and they put it in. I'm in fact sending my envelope out tonight mm-hmm. as we record the show because they gave me some additional time. I did my reservation earlier in the month. Uh, I, I, yeah, I really like Gazelle and you know, this is another good time to go through your house and look for old devices. I know people are collecting these old iPhones and I'm not sure what you think you're going to do with them because.
0: Unless you're putting together a museum.
1: Yeah. They made millions of them. I don't think they're ever going to be collector's items. And if you can get a hundred bucks for a two year old phone or 150 bucks or whatever. You get more than that. I I sold a two year old phone. Okay. What'd you get for it?
0: Uh, I got almost 200 bucks for my phone.
1: Yeah. So you can you can take that money and put it towards a new phone, you can put it towards Apple Care on the new one, so you don't have to worry about it breaking. You can buy more of those cables since we all need cables now. <laughs> and
0: adapters, yeah. 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 yeah so. But but now here's the thing. You you need to go ahead and act now and lock in your price because you know, the longer the new phones are out and the older the old phones get, they're just gonna go down in value. So so head on over there today, lock in your price, get it while they're hot, and then go order your new phone. Just do it. Uh, thanks to Gazelle for their continued support of our show. And when you when you go order your new phone and sell your old one on Gazelle, make sure you tell them that we sent you. So what I was going to tell you is when I sent my old phone off to Gazelle, I was I was digging around because I was pretty sure that I had the box, and uh, yeah. I was found in my closet. I had the original box that it shipped in, the original you know iPhone four box that it shipped in, and in the original iPhone four box, it had the original plastic that was on the phone.
1: Wow, you don't mess around.
0: I know. So I packed it all up, nice, neat, new brand, sent it to him, and I was like, here you go,
1: brand new phone. (laughs) Yeah, I always keep the boxes from Apple stuff when it comes in. Yeah. Uh, Just, I don't know that it's really made much of a difference, but it seems like the thing you're supposed to do.
0: Well, I mean, if nothing else, hopefully somebody at some point is going to get a nice, a nice, you know, new looking phone with a nice new box. Yeah. So, anyway. All right, Pathfinder. Pathfinder.
1: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. The granddaddy.
0: This is from Cocotec. it's It's forty bucks new or or twenty bucks for an upgrade, and uh, they do, they do have a free trial that you can you can download on their website and it's built as a finder alternative, but you can also use it in and there was actually some some warnings that I'd seen when I was looking around. You can completely quit your finder and use Pathfinder as an alternative to the finder, but you can also just hide your finder and use Pathfinder you know, kind of on top of or in place of your current Finder and still, because you, you still need to retain some of the underlying functionality of your Finder. So is that what you do?
1: Uh, I run Pathfinder as an app.
0: Okay, I just have it on installed. top of your Finder.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, I don't know what version I got in it, but I've been using it for years. And okay. this is, this is the answer to the question of why don't they add more features to the Finder? You know, every feature that I've ever thought of, shows up in this app and so it's it's really the power finder i mean when you fully open it up you've got multi panes you know that was one of my big complaints about the existing finders you only have one pane here you can have left and right panes but not just that you can also have additional windows below it it's got these wings that can expand from the side Uh, before long this truly becomes a cockpit for your max disk system i mean it's got you know, you can have a lot of windows. You can preview windows. You can run a terminal window and run terminal commands from the Finder. Uh it really is something else if you go nuts with it. So the way I use it is I have the app installed, licensed, and ready to go. And for a lot of stuff I use, I just use the basic finder, like if I open it through launch bar, and I just need to get to the Mac Power Users folder to get to an Omni Outliner file, for instance. But if I need to do serious, you know, moving around of files, then I get I just launch Pathfinder and work from that.
0: And and you do that because you can have this multi-pane interface where you can say, okay, I want, you know, these panes on this side of the window, these panes on that side of the window, and you can just drag and drop back and forth.
1: Yeah. As an example, uh, if you had a bunch of stuff on your backup drive and a bunch of stuff on your local drive and you wanted to, you know, work those out, you could have panes opening both of those files and you could see immediately what things are doing. You can just drag them back and forth. Um, if you want to have the show info window, you can have that showing at the same time, so you can do comparisons on the on the fly. You can see what the properties are of the specific files you're selecting as you jump back and forth between files. It's like when I was working on the paperless book or the one that I'm about to release. It's I've got multiple versions of screencasts and movie files, and they you know they start to take a bunch of, a bunch of space, and moreover. One may be a bad version. One may be a good one. I don't want to keep the bad ones because then I'm going to ultimately end up accidentally publishing the wrong one. And using the Pathfinder, I can go through and and really get that stuff sorted out easily. But that's just kind of an overview of what you do with it. I mean, there's a lot of specific tools you can use in in Pathfinder.
0: Yeah. One of the tools that they have that's that's really interesting is – as you were mentioning, one of the ways that you can filter through and sort and organize is they have kind of like a spotlight on steroids. I mean, it, it looks like the spotlight window that you can type into, but you have a lot of other options for it. So instead of just searching for something in a particular window, you can filter. So you can filter by file type. So if you, you know, let's, let's pick a folder like your documents folder. Maybe you're not very good about cleaning out your documents folder and you have 150 items in your documents folder. Which I know with you and with Hazel and all this other stuff, that would never happen. But it happens, right?
1: Sure. It happens to me, too. Everybody's got, you know, you struggle. You get busy and you're trying to make everything happen, but you're not going to make a Hazel rule for everything. And before you know it, your desktop's a mess.
0: And, in fact, I think you were telling me before we podcasted that that your desktop was a mess, and you were going to have to do something to go in there and, and clean it up so you can you can go in with Pathfinder and you can start you know adding all of these rules and criteria to sort, and it will just show you the files based on your criteria so if you're looking for Let's use your example of your screencasting files because you want to quick just see those and sort through those and see what you need to do with them. You could just look for movie files. And that would get rid of everything else and just show you the movie files that you have in that folder. And so you can go through and weed through those and deal with them and get rid of what you don't need and deal with what you do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there's extensions on that. I mean, Pathfinder has a tool to rename files. You know, using those same tools where it can go through find and do renames for you. Some people have to buy a separate app to do that. You can do that from Pathfinder. Um, there's there's a thing in there called the drop stack. And it's, it's, it's awesome. It's a little target, you know, like a archery target. And what it does is it just collects files. So let's say you're going around from various subfolders. And you want to collect files from one project and combine them somewhere. You just put them in the drop stack, and you just keep dropping them in there. And then at some point, you get to a new folder where you want that stuff to go. You can empty the drop stack into that new folder.
0: So, so instead ra- of people creating a temporary folder on their desktop, and I'm so guilty of doing this, sometimes you just you make a folder on your desktop, and you call it like stuff because you don't know what you want to do and deal with it. And you throw a bunch of stuff in there, and then you figure out what you want to do, and you move it somewhere else.
1: Yeah, and you can do a copy or a move with that which is nice. And and we talked about in the Mountain Lion show how you can copy and move files now in Mountain Lion with keyboard shortcuts and you could always do it with the mouse if you hold down the command key I believe when you drag something over it um it will do the inverse of the of the basic uh behavior. So, if you are taking a file and copying it on the same drive, like if you've got your home directory and you're copying to your desktop, it will move it. Whereas if you take it to another driver directory, the default behavior is to copy it. You can switch that by holding the command key. That's in the Finder. But in Pathfinder, you can do that as well using this drop stack, which I think is more efficient. Does that make any sense? I think I just rambled a little bit.
0: Well, it's like a the drop stack is like a temporary holding place.
1: Yeah, that's it. Right. That's it. But um,
0: things things don't just disappear, right? Like what happens if you forget about the drop stack?
1: No, it waits until you complete the transaction. You know, you've got to put it somewhere.
0: And and Pathfinder does have a built-in application launcher. This isn't something that I really use because I use LaunchBar for everything. And you can use LaunchBar with Pathfinder. They they work. In fact, a lot of applications uh, like LaunchBar and Default Folder and things like that, they do work together with Pathfinder. Pathfinder has a lot of hooks or I don't know if the applications have hooks into Pathfinder, but whatever it is, they have hooks into each other so that they work.
1: Yes, uh, there's there's actually uh, developer tools built around Pathfinder. Uh, so you've got hex editor, Git, Subversion. I mean, a lot of stuff that guys who program computers would be interesting. In fact, I just one turn of the that things, off. I don't even look at that hex editor thing. That freaks me out. It, well, it's kind of fun, you know, to see the bits. But so when you open up Pathfinder, you've got all these windows, and, and if you're listening to the show, go download the demo because it doesn't cost anything to look at the demo. Although it may end up, you know, you may end up it spending may end up costing 40 you forty bucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when you have a, a pane in it, there's a little uh, disclosure triangle, and you click on that, and it gives you all the various types of information you can put in that window. Uh, you can show the terminal. You can put it in as a sidebar. You can list a shelf there where you can drop things. It can show the file size, subversion. You can have a recent documents folder or a recent documents pane, which is kind of nice depending on what you're doing. You can show the processes on the computer, the permissions. It's got an iTunes browser built in. I mean, they just keep adding stuff to this. So whatever type of information you need as you work through your file system, Pathfinder will show it. This is the Swiss Army knife of uh, finder replacements,
0: and it has a lot of other tools built into it. You know, for example, the finder by default has a, a compression engine built into it, and in that if you you know if you right click on something in the finder, c- control click or command click or whatever we call it now, uh, you can you can compress something, and it will just give you a. I think it's a zip package, right? Yeah. Well, Pathfinder gives you a variety of options. So yeah, you can you can zip something, but I think it also ships with the Stuffit engine involved. So you've got some additional compression options and you can create disk images right within Pathfinder, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Another thing I like about it is that it's got support for tabs. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tabs and essentially bookmarks. So uh they could make up their mind, I guess, which one they wanted, so they just put them both in and you can use what works for you. But uh you've got these these book it's very similar to the safari bookmark uh interface where you've got a list of locations across the top of the window and you can have a specific location there or you can have a drop down uh to show you know subfolders within that location and so if there's places you go often you just put them up there and you can jump to them very quickly for instance the mac power users folder i could put up there so when i'm working on files i can very quickly Get to that location.
0: So, how often would you say that you are actually in Pathfinder? Is it something that you have that launches by default? So, it's a login item, and pretty much any time you're you're in your computer, you're using it, or is it something that you launch when you think, you know, I'm I'm really going to be doing some some heavy duty Finder work here, and and I'm going to go ahead and launch Pathfinder.
1: The second, okay, is the second, and. Uh, I don't use it as often as I used to because I've got so adept with Hazel at doing filing and file management for me. Uh, but when I do have serious file management, then I will open it up. For instance, uh, before we start recording, I did tell you my desktop is a mess. I just uh, I just submitted a new book. Yay. Yay. Um, but as a result, there's a lot of stuff on the desktop, and I just need to get that sorted out. So when we get done with the podcast tonight, I'll leave Pathfinder open and I'll have my desktop in one pane, and I'll be jumping around with my um, tabs and bookmarks, and getting things put away where they belong.
0: Right. Now you've been using Pathfinder for quite a while. In fact, this is when when we started this whole Mac Power Users idea. I think this was one of the original show ideas that that you put on our on our show outline. And, and yeah,
1: it just took me three years to get. Well, it Well,
0: yeah, and and part of that <laughs> is because I said I don't use any of these Finder replacement tools. I don't need them. And then, yeah. then you insisted, insisted, insisted. And I'm glad you did because I started checking them out. And, and the, the more we get to it, the more I think, yeah, this, this is something I could use. I don't know if it's something that I would use every day, but I, I certainly see that it has a use. But, but my concern against using these types of Finder alternative tools ha- have always been, how are they going to play nice with the operating system in the future? Because I don't, I mean, do you remember the whole Haxie's issue?
1: Yeah, well, this is different than that. Yeah, because this isn't this isn't replacing, you know, this isn't getting down to the metal. This is just an application, just like anything else. It's on top of the finder. Right. You want to talk about hacksies though?
0: We can talk about hacksies. And yeah, do so hacksies still is,
1: exist? I don't think so. I I'm not aware of them. Uh, if I they do, they please die. let us know. But I I mean I think I the big g- you know ground zero for that I don't know was it tiger or was it leopard? When one of the operating systems came out, um, I believe it was Logitech, had incorporated Haxes into its driver system. And the Step Back Haxes are like going down to the root level of the operating system and fiddling. I guess that's well, a good way to re- summarize it.
0: Well, a lot of a lot of people had incorporated, not necessarily Haxes, but I think it was called the APE because it, it, A-P-E was there, uh, was what it was short for was the underlying um, system preference or whatever that a lot of these hacksies required. And I had several. I mean, there was one called called Fruit Menu. There was one called Window Shade that I kept around for a long time. And these were basically, they called them hacksies, but they were system utilities or tools that you could use. And a lot of people use them to get more familiar functionality back in the earlier days of OS X.
1: Remember there was one called Unsanity?
0: The, the unsanity made a lot of the Hacksies. Yeah. You know, fruit right. menu, labels, menu master, window shaded. I had them all.
1: I'm just looking at their website now. Their last update was October 8th, 2011. Okay. well, So they're not totally out of it, but the last uh, version was released on April 28th, 2010. So maybe they're done. I don't know. I don't know. Requires Mac OS 10.6 and Rosetta well that means they're probably done
0: well that's for x sounds i don't i don't know about the yeah. other stuff but but there was a major operating system upgrade that if if you had one of i think it was the application enhancer the ape installed and you you would just get a blue screen as soon as you installed it and that became problematic because it was not only people who had installed these hacksies and and perhaps were you know more more power users types who had installed these types of things, but I don't remember if it was Logitech or not. But one of the major vendors had used it for something, and and therefore it was a little more widespread than normal.
1: I think it was Logitech, but it it was a mess because the uh, operating system update came out and it was breaking people's upgrades. It was breaking their computers and yeah, blue Apple screened up, yeah and. Apple was getting all the blame, and they're like, hey, you know, we can't help it if you're going and fiddling with the guts. So I I can understand that.
0: I I remember that, and I remember that I avoided that just because it was my policy at that time. Every time I did an OS upgrade to Nuke and Pave, and thank goodness I did, otherwise I would have been right
1: there with them. Yeah, I've never been a fan of third-party hardware, uh, driver software, if I can at all avoid it, but... So I never ran into that problem because even though I had a Logitech mouse, I didn't run it. I didn't run their software. I just plugged it in and it worked.
0: Yeah, and, anyway. and that's a that's a great tip. Is that if if you've got some of these util, third party hardware utilities, whether it's a Logitech mouse or an HP printer or an Epson scanner or anything really, plug it in and see if it works. Yeah. yeah. Don't stick the disc in that came with it.
1: So you that. Have ex- to. So that experience and that whole mess is the reason why you're a little leery of using something like Pathfinder.
0: Yes, that, that and,
1: scarred and, me for life. And I will say without having any you know foundational knowledge of this, I didn't program okay. it. throw it out there. That it's not going to cause that kind of problem for you. It's just that's not the way this application runs. It runs on top of the Finder. It doesn't um, rewrite the operating system underneath it. It just adds additional functionality to it. So maybe
0: the whole title of our show, Finder Replacements, is not quite technically correct then?
1: Yeah, really, they're Finder Enhancements. I, well, I guess you could look at it either way, because it, it is replacing the Finder. When I do a serious file management task with Pathfinder, I'm not loading the Finder. You know, Apple's okay. not interested in making Pathfinder-type tools, so I've got to go somewhere else.
0: And, and when you get down to it, the Finder is really just a glorified application,
1: yeah. It's the disk operating system. I mean, it's Apple's incarnation of it that was built in 1984 and pretty much hasn't changed much.
0: <laughs> I mean, your Finder can crash and completely crash, and you can still use certain parts of your Mac. It's happened.
1: Uh, not for long.
0: Not for long, but, you know.
1: Yeah. It happens. So we've got this great solution, Pathfinder, and it's it is the 800-pound gorilla of finder replacements, $40. There's a, you can download a sample, play with it. I recommend you do so. I suspect a lot of people that listen to this show are going to end up spending $40 because it's really quite remarkable. I mean, and there's so many features in here that just don't exist on the traditional finder.
0: If you're looking for a way to get started with Pathfinder, and this was kind of my first introduction into it that said, okay, maybe David's got something here because, you know, I'm not going to trust you. Um, Go download Don McAllister's screencast. I'm going to trust Don. (laughs) Uh, Don did a screencast that is free. It was actually sponsored by the Pathfinder people. Now, it's a little bit older. It's on Pathfinder version 5. But a lot of it is still very applicable to some of the features of Pathfinder 6. And I think that's about a 40-minute or so screencast kind of taking you on a general overview of Pathfinder. And then on the Cocotech website, there's a series of shorter screencasts about some of the newer features in Pathfinder 6. So I think if you spend an hour or so one morning watching Don's free screencast and then going through and looking at some of the screencasts on the Cocotech website, you're going to get a really good introduction and overview and combine that with the 30-day free trial, and and you'll really get a flavor for what's going on here.
1: Yeah, and to follow up on Don's screencast, the stuff they've added in version 6 is just more goodness. They've got file tagging in there now, and it uses the open meta standard. We talked to Brett Terpstra about that last year on the show. So if you're a tagger, you can do it right in the Finder and with Pathfinder. Batch renaming, which replaces a tool that a lot of people end up buying uh, the hex editor is even better. So you, if you want to be the guy that goes in and modifies the file at the hex level, you can do it in your Finder. I, I'd like to talk to somebody that actually does that. Um, and then uh, file transfer queue so you can access your current file operations from either the toolbar or a separate unified window, which is kind of cool. Although I do like the way the new Finder does it in Mac OS X where it shows you the little progress bar right on the icon. That's pretty nice.
0: All right. Well, uh, check out Pathfinder, and um, I, I, I'm kind of convinced. It's something I'll use.
1: Have you tried it? You I know, have tried it. As we it. got ready for the show?
0: I have tried it as we got what, ready for the what, show. So
1: as a new user to it, what, what about it appeals to you?
0: The biggest thing that appeals to me is tabs. I mean, I think that's really the landmark feature of, of Pathfinder is tabs. Tabs and the, the searching slash filtering functionality.
1: Yeah. See, for me, it's the dual panes, the ability to, to run all these panes at once. Is great because I just, I never have been happy with opening separate finder windows and trying to get them next to each other and they end up overlapping or covering each other. I mean, this is, this is the way I think it's supposed to be just dual panes in one window and move your stuff around. I mean, that's probably the most basic features of it. I think neither one of us use it to a, you know, it's full power, but boy, it's a great tool if you, if you need that. Yeah. So, and, and so Pathfinder scratches a particular itch for a power user that wants to get the most out of file management tools. I mean, that that's the one. Uh, but there's another one. And uh, maybe we should do a sponsor before we get to that one.
0: Yeah, let's talk about our next sponsor. And, and then we'll talk about another alternative to Pathfinder. And our, our next sponsor is 1Password. So I've been I've been going through and with this iOS 6 especially, you know David, there is really no excuse to to not go through and and shore up your passwords. Particularly that one overlooked password that people tend to keep as easier passwords because they had to enter it a gazillion times on their iOS device and that is your iCloud password.
1: Yeah. That's a tough one, right? Because you've got the ability to create this awesome password with 1Password. But when, every time you go and, and buy a $2 app, do you want to enter a 20-digit you know, random string of numbers and letters? How do you deal with that?
0: Well, it became a little easier with iOS 6 because now you don't have to enter your password every time you just want to download an update to an app. Or I think, do you even have to enter it when you want to download a free app? I haven't noticed.
1: I, I can't. I can say on the first. You're correct. You do not need to put your password into update. I don't know about downloading a free app. I guess I could try it while you're talking here.
0: Yeah, but I, the, I, the move to iOS six has really what made me bite the bullet and say, okay, I, I, I had a strong password to iCloud before, but it was one that I memorized. It was not one of these, it was one of the very few passwords that I have that was not randomly generated by one password. And I always felt really bad about that, especially after the whole Matt Hahn hacking incident and, you know, the calamity that ensued after that. And now that the move to iOS 6, I'm finding that I'm not having to enter that password as often anymore. And I've gotten to the point where, you know, Yes, I can do that. I can make the move now to put that super strong, secure, encrypted password into 1Password, let 1Password generate it, let me have absolutely no clue whatsoever what my iCloud password is, and and let it go. So because because 1Password is on the iPhone, because it's on the iPad, because it's on the Mac, because it's even on that pesky PC I still keep under my desk at the office and pretend that it's not there, And everything in 1Password syncs via Dropbox and you've got the browser extensions, whether I log into iCloud.com or whether I need to go into my phone and get the password and copy and paste it in, or whether I'm on iTunes on my Mac or iTunes on the PC at work, I've always got 1Password no matter where I am. And if I need to go grab the password, I can go in, get it, get my secure password, put it in, and get rid of it. It's easy as that.
1: Yeah, it's really not that difficult because they make it easy enough to get into the application on your phone and your iPad that you can add that extra layer of security. Another example is Amazon Store. I mean, Amazon makes it really easy to have this one-click buy where you can be on your phone or your iPad and just tap a button and then something shows up in the mail, which is very gratifying. Right? <laughs> it's but dangerous. But. It's also kind of, It's very unsecure. I mean, if you leave your iPad in your office and go to lunch and, you know, let's say you've got the 15-minute timer on your, uh, on your security code, you know, because I, I put that on sometimes if I'm not going to be, you know, somewhere where other people have access to my iPad. Somebody could go in there and order $10,000 worth of stuff.
0: Man, you if know. you've only got a 15-minute timer on your iPad, I'm going to go order $10,000 worth of stuff next time I find your iPad.
1: Yeah. so You've got to shorten that window. Yeah, so go, using 1Password, you could put your Amazon password in there, your iCloud password in there, and very quickly, using your 1Password, get access to that password. And when you want to go buy this stuff, take the extra you know, 30 seconds to go get the password, the secure password, and paste it in. It, it just makes a lot of sense. I, I think that our listeners understand the importance of having a, a secure password system, and there's always this balance between convenience and security. And the magic of one password is—is is it closes the gap? Right. It doesn't. It doesn't completely remove it, but it makes it a lot easier to have the type of password that responsible people should have, and the, and brings in the convenience of getting it to the right place. So you've got to take a couple extra steps, but you're much safer.
0: Well, and I got to tell you, having your security compromised is very inconvenient. Yeah. So, like we said, 1Password is everywhere. You can find it in the Mac App Store, download it there, and you can use it on all your authorized machines. If you've got a pesky PC like me that you've got to deal with, that's fine. They, can, they have a, a Windows version as well, or you can go grab a Mac and Windows bundle from their website. There's an iOS Pro version that's available in the Mac App Store that will work with both the iPhone, iPod Touch, and the iPad uh, and there's an iOS regular version where you can buy either or. And so if you just have an iPhone or if you just have an iPad, you can just get the one that's specific for you. Uh, and you can save 20% off of anything that's purchased in the Agile Bit store if you lose the link on our site. So we want to thank 1Password for their continued support of the show and just for making a really cool product.
1: Yeah, you know, while you were talking, I checked, if you buy a free app, you still have to put your password in.
0: All right, well, that's not necessarily a bad thing.
1: Yeah, and... I'd like to challenge our listeners who have already purchased one password and are using it to take a look at the stuff on your mobile devices that you have automatically entered passwords and you're not using one password to keep those things like Amazon, PayPal, uh, iCloud, Google. And, you know, think about how silly you'll feel if someone hacks into your your device and you actually had the software on your iPhone and iPad to protect that. Right. Just take the extra time. It's okay. Life won't pass you by.
0: <laughs> All right, let's talk about Total Finder. And this is one I'm gonna have to rely on you a little bit more because I, I haven't used Total Finder much. I've, I've read up
1: on it a bit. Yeah, you know, Total Finder is interesting to me because they're, they're a newer player to the game. Right. And they're doing something different. You know, Pathfinder, I look at as like the industrial strength finder replacement. And Total Finder really is much more of a finder enhancement. Sure. Uh, in some ways, it does feel a little more hacky because it really does replace the finder, and it doesn't have the laundry list of features that you get with Pathfinder. But it has several of the features that are most important.
0: Yeah, it seems to have a lot of the landmarked features. It's got the tabbed browsing. It has the dual column, dual screen mode for whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, it has the ability to to do some sorting and some organization and and things like that.
1: Yeah, so what but it does is when you is, when
0: you launch it, your little finder icon is gone and there's a new finder icon that has a little chunk bitten out of
1: it. Well, no, I think yeah, I would say that it has a little chunk added to it. It okay, basically it's a tab. Ch- changes yeah. the icon to add a tab like a folder. Right. And so Total Finder installs on top of the Finder, but you can quit the app and the Finder reverts to its native behavior. So it's not replacing the Finder in your system. Again, I don't think you need to be afraid that you're breaking your computer by installing this. Uh, but what it does is when you open the Finder, it's got these these tabs, and that's the signature feature of it. So if you start opening different locations, you're going to see a tab for each location. So I could have, you know, going back to our early example, I could have the Mac Power Users folder there. And then I could have a separate folder that I've opened up for Show 104. And I could have a separate folder that I've opened up for audio files i'm going to send to Katie, and all that's open in one contained window, so it solves the problem of having multiple finder windows open everywhere and that's a good problem to solve oh absolutely. it's cheaper it's eighteen bucks you know yeah. it, it doesn't and give you as much price. it doesn't cost as much it's It really is just a you know it's a slight improvement, but it's an improvement in ways that make a lot of difference. Um, it also has the dual panes, which I was saying earlier is a really big deal to me. I want the ability to look at the contents of two different locations on my computer at the same time in one window. And this this gives you, in fact, it'll even give you two different sidebars. So you can have a sidebar on each side for each window or you can remove the sidebars. It's very you know customizable in that method. Uh, Another thing that it does is it changes the sort order. And one thing that always makes me a little crazy on Mac OS X is when you have a directory that's got folders and files combined. I would like, ideally, to have the folders grouped together and the files grouped together. Uh, Instead, the the native behavior for Mac OS X is just to alphabetize the whole mess. So the folders are interspaced with the files. It's a little thing, but Total Finder fixes that. It puts the folders on top. Did you install it or try it?
0: Yeah, I did try it. And, and it kind of made me a little bit nervous, like you said, just because it the Finder l- appeared to be gone. I, I get what you're saying is that it's not really gone. And it, to be clear, it didn't cause me any problems, no problems yeah. at all. Um, so I certainly don't want to insinuate that it did. And having, again, this is a little lighter version of, of Pathfinder, and it brought all of the key features that I really wanted from Pathfinder. So, you know, for the 18 bucks versus the 40 that may be a good option for some people. The tabs I found felt a little bit more like Safari tabs than Pathfinder tabs, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know if that was just a stylistic thing or a function thing. I mean, with the tabs, you can grab them and you can reorder them and drag them around and you can actually grab a file and move it between the tabs. So to me, it, it, it felt very reminiscent of, of using tabs in, in Safari or something like that. The The folders on top thing, that's... Cool, but it's not something that I really. It's not a huge thing to me. I I get that it's nice, but not a huge thing. And then you know, one of the other features that it does is is you can turn on the the preference, uh, and there are a lot of utilities that will do this, but you can turn on some additional preferences like you know, show me invisible files.
1: Yeah, and
0: they're, it's they're a lighter more, more invisible
1: files. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an improvement upon the on the native Finder. It doesn't go to the degree of, of geekdom that Pathfinder does. I mean you're not going to edit hex files with this, and you're not going to have you know six windows open simultaneously showing you tons of information. This is a simpler improvement, But if you're just looking for multiple panes and the ability to tab between different folders in one window, uh, this is a pretty good, uh, this is a pretty good investment of eighteen dollars right. I mean, if Pathfinder didn't exist, I'd use this thing all the time. Absolutely. Uh, preparing for the show, I, you know, I've had kind of a on again, off again relationship with Total Finder. When it was beta, I got into it and was using it all the time. And then over the various upgrades, the operating system over the last few years, you know, they would always need to kind of catch up with the latest operating system update because of the stuff I write. Sometimes I install beta builds of an operating system before it goes public. And they wouldn't be ready, even though sometimes they were ready, actually, before it went public. But So I I got behind the eight ball with the app, and I just got out of the habit of installing it. But the last month or so, since we got serious about doing this show, I've been running it. And I really like it. I mean, it's really nice when you have the, um, the, the Finder window open with Total Finder enabled. And then you go ahead in Pathfinder and select a new folder... And you see that tab open up with that destination and the, the other tabs or the other windows you have are still there. It didn't open. You know, you don't have a collection of windows on your screen at that point. You just have one window with a bunch of tabs. Wait, and so you're
0: using Total Finder and Pathfinder at the same time?
1: Yeah, I am. That's but crazy. Yeah. Well, as I explained earlier, though, I, I don't use Pathfinder all the time. You know, I use Pathfinder when I've got a big job, you know, but... For day-to-day stuff, I use the normal Finder, but I've kind of got used to using Total Finder again now. And I just like the idea that it's contained in one window.
0: Okay. Yeah, it makes sense.
1: Yeah. Don't judge me.
0: I'm not judging. I'm not judging. I'm just thinking that, you know, at at some point you'll have, like, finders on top of finders on top of finders on top of finders, and it will just all cascade.
1: What I would suggest to someone listening to the show is that you look at both of those and you're, you're going to know immediately whether you want the cockpit you know, style Pathfinder, massive tools, or you just want a simple upgrade and go with one. I mean, I've gone with two because I'm a little nuts. And uh, for further incentive, I wrote to the Total Finder people and they said, hey, you know, we're going to be doing a show about Total Finder. You could give us a little discount for our listeners. And they said, absolutely. So if you buy it through the link we're going to put in the show notes, you're going to get 20% off.
0: Oh, that's even better.
1: So it gets even cheaper for you.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And if you do buy it, tell them you heard about it from us, they're not a sponsor or anything, but I wanted to know that, you know, we wield power. Our listeners are <laughs> Mac power users. All right. But the, uh, total finder is definitely not the same as pathfinder. They're not two apps that are trying to compete with each other in some kinds of, some kind of arms race to figure out, you know, which one has the most extra features, uh, uh, they both are going in a, in a different direction, and I think different sets of users are gonna. It's going to appeal to different sets of users.
0: Yeah. So, do you ever see? And I think we we talked about this already. Do you ever see Apple implementing any of these features in the Finder no. going forward, or you think they're just total separate direction, total different direction?
1: Okay, speaking as a guy who doesn't, you know, work in Cupertino or know know. anybody, I I don't think Apple has any intention to power up the Finder.
0: I agree. But to me, it just seems like, come on, tabs would be so easy.
1: They want people to forget about the Finder. They don't want people to remember it exists.
0: Can we just have tabs or dual column mode?
1: I mean, we've seen the future. It's iOS. I I mean, iOS is showing up in the Mac every day. I'm not one of these doom and gloom guys who says that, you know, they're going to kill the Mac. Uh, but I think inevitably, as these mobile technologies become more powerful and faster and the software gets better, inevitably, the number of people that use Macs and computers in general is going to shrink. Right. Right. And I don't know, at some point, I would imagine there is a unified operating system, and it's going to look a lot more like a touch interface than what we know as a mouse-based operating system. At some point in our life, we'll look back on this stuff, and people will say, Mac power users, well, what's a Mac, right? <laughs> you know. Uh, so th- I think that stuff is happening, but it's not going to happen in the immediate future. And for a lot of us, we need these tools. I mean, we need the ability to have a folder to collect files from different applications for one project.
0: You know, in WALL-E, the, the movie, you've yeah. seen that,
1: right? I love that movie.
0: Where where the humans just be kind of come dumb and just veg out on the little resort ship and fat and happy and don't really know any better. Yeah. You think that's going to be us?
1: No. I'm an optimist. You've watched enough Star Trek, right? Oh well, yeah. We're going to take some but, of this TDM out of our they life. They have
0: pretty cool computers over there.
1: Yeah. We're going to take this tedium out of our life. I, I think that it's going to be unfortunate if we get to a point where we lose a lot of the customization we have now, because there's a lot of things in my life I do and they are admittedly hacky. I mean, I've made, you know, this is a side job for me and isn't talking about how hacky I am, but it allows me to get a lot of stuff done really quickly, and if I didn't have things like, you know, text expander and, uh, and Hazel and all the stuff I use to make things happen really fast, uh, I would I would say that it would it would affect my ability to get things done and and my ability to finish more jobs. So right. I am not looking forward to the day where we're all on iOS and that's it. Yeah.
0: Because I've seen Star Trek. You have to be able to rearrange the isolinear chips and, and reconfigure everything. Otherwise, the warp core is going to explode.
1: Yeah, something like that. I don't know.
0: Yeah. You're more of I a spent Star my Wars childhood
1: guy. watching Wookiees. Yeah. But, the uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, as we move into the future, I think voice technologies is going to take a bigger place. Artificial intelligence is going to do a lot of this for us. I mean, I, I think some of the things that we use hacks to pull off now, computers can solve for us in the future. And But that's that's far out there. I mean, we're just... Just beginning to scratch the surface of that stuff. For the meantime, don't worry about it. We have got these Macs, and let's just use the heck out of them.
0: All right, I'll, I'll I'll yield to your optimism.
1: Yeah, the uh, but but so if you have ever found yourself wanting with the Finder, uh, the good news is answers are out there for you. You can you know go halfway with Total Finder, or you know the full Monty with Pathfinder. And we looked at some other apps working for this show, and none of them really, I thought, scratch the itch the way these two do. And so those are our two recommendations. Right. And they both have free downloads. Uh, we're going to have a link to get 20% off Total Finder in the show notes. So if you decide you want to go with that one, get it there. And uh, if you want to go crazy, get Pathfinder. Uh, I, really, I would really be sad if I lost Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the extent I do terminal work, I do a lot of it through Pathfinder because it's just so easy that way.
0: Well, what about all these other utilities that we use that you don't have to necessarily run total finder or pathfinder for? Um and I think we talked about that's going to be another show in and of itself, but uh where does something like leap fit in? We've talked about that. I th- I think we talked about that in our original paperless show.
1: We may have it, Leap is not so much file management as home folder management, and it gives you really pretty displays and previews of the stuff in your home folder. And yeah, it's
0: it's kind of like i iPhoto or iTunes for for folders, right?
1: Yeah. Well, it's made by ironic software, who I think are it's a small shop, but I think extremely intelligent guys. They're the guys that are behind the open meta tagging standard, which mm-hmm. they came up with because they needed it. They make an application called YEP, which is a very uh, good PDF management application. It's like iTunes for PDFs. And then Leap kind of grows out of that. It follows the same type of idea, but it covers more than just PDFs. You know, you can look at Office documents or just about anything you've got in your home folder with it. So it's uh, it's an improved way to browse that folder. But it's, it's not a file management tool in the way that Total Finder or Pathfinder are. Yeah, I looked at that and almost, you know, gave it its own title in the show and ultimately I decided this really isn't a Finder enhancement or replacement. This is just a, a, a separate app that does a separate thing on your computer. Right.
0: Well, I think, I think there is a future Finder utility show uh, in the pipeline maybe and, and, and we'll talk about a lot more of these, these kind of smaller add-ons instead of total, maybe not replacements, but, but total solutions uh, in a future show.
1: And Apple does add little bits and pieces to the Finder with every major upgrade. Like I was talking about how it shows the file copy status, you Mm -hmm. know, progress by on the icon. That's a new thing. Uh, In Lion, they added the feature where where you grab a selected group of files and you pull it in, it would shrink them down to the size of the destination. Um, I don't remember which operating system it was. They put the spring-loaded folders. I want to say that was Tiger, but I'm not sure. Um, uh, cut, copy, paste, duplicate now with keyboard shortcuts, that's relatively new within the last couple iterations. Uh, so they are making little improvements. I'm sure there's people at Apple that would like to go crazy with this stuff but I think if there's a corporate message at Apple, it's that you know the Finder is not the future. I mean, they're going to be devoting their programming time and development time towards iOS type uh, things that don't use the finder and and for good reason, frankly, because as many people as listening to this podcast, there's many, many, many more who are not interested in things like the Finder. And we all everybody listening to this show knows a lot of people in their life who if you said open the Finder, first they'd scratch their head and then you say open that little smiley face icon. Right. And then they'd say okay and then they would really have no idea what to do with it. Right. In fact they'd be afraid of it. It's like they'd be afraid they touch something in there, and their computer would explode.
0: Well, and I tell you, I've noticed that. Although this is this is obviously in the PC context. At my office, my assistant opens everything through Word.
1: Yeah, she doesn't want to go into the Explorer because she's afraid something will go wrong.
0: Right. I mean, she's opening PDFs through Word. She's renaming PDFs through Word. She's you know dragging and dropping things through Word. when I tell her, "Oh, I need you to open this file," and it, I mean it could be a it's a PDF because that's a lot of what we do is docs and PDFs. She opens up Microsoft Word I'm like, "Well, what are you doing? I'm opening the file well, well, you're, that's in, a, you, you're in Word.
1: Yeah, well, but that's a safe interface for her yeah. where she knows how it works and she knows that she can get where she needs to go, even if it takes a few extra clicks or whatever. And she knows she won't accidentally delete files or move files or do something else that will get her fired.
0: Yeah, that's probably true.
1: And uh, I think that's true for a lot of people, both the Mac and the PC side, which is why Apple has no interest in going crazy with this stuff. I mean, I think the way they look at it, there's a market of us out there who want an enhancement. and We can go buy it. I don't think they're going to do anything to actively prevent Pathfinder or Total Finder from working. But at the same time, they're not going to go out of their way to add functionality to the Finder Beyond the Basics.
0: All right. Well, we've we've got a a lot of feedback to go through, but maybe before we get there, let's, let's talk about our last sponsor, and that is Fujitsu.
1: You know what's really nice since we've started this Fujitsu sponsorship is we've got so many messages from listeners who finally got on board and bought themselves a ScanSnap, and they're loving it. I haven't heard from a single listener who bought one who's unhappy with the investment. I haven't either. Yeah. It's just so great. Just you flip it open... Set the paper in there, press the blue button, and you've got a good scan. Right.
0: And, you know, you really don't understand how convenient it is to have all of these documents and really have them literally at your fingertips because now we all have these iOS devices in our pockets or these iPads in our in our purses or in our satchels. And if you're going into a paperless lifestyle, regardless of whether you're using Dropbox or a solution like Evernote and the scan snaps now will all scan to mobile devices, whether it's your mobile device, whether it's a Dropbox folder, whether it's Evernote or however you want to do this, having all of these items digitized at your fingertips is, is really remarkable. You know, David, I, I, I missed the show last week because we had a family emergency and uh, I was actually in the emergency room and we had previously thought ahead to digitize some medical records from this family member's previous admission and i had in evernote all of these this documentation with uh, prior medication list with last admission information with you know documents the power of attorney all of this stuff that we needed I didn't even have to think. I didn't have to run home. I didn't have to go grab anything. I, it, there was never a second thought in my mind of, oh, my goodness, we can't do what we need to do because it was all in my pocket because I had all previously ran it through my ScanSnap. And, and there was just never a worry about it. Huge yeah, the, relief.
1: The ScanSnap really is the my preferred solution for going paperless. It's uh, they, They've supported the Mac for years. The software is excellent. It's got the OCR engine built in, so you can conduct OCR. We had a question from a listener saying, "You know, Dave, really, how do you OCR? You know, what is the app you use?" And it's the ScanSnap. I I do it there. I check the box, so when it scans a document, it runs the OCR, saves it to the PDF right there. It makes the file a little bit bigger, but now I know I've got OCR embedded in everything I'm scanning. Uh, so it's a it's a soup to nut solution for getting a lot of paper into a digital format and they've got an answer no matter what your budget and needs are. They've got the big one, the S 1500. It's a sheet feeder. You can put 50 sheets in it. It scans very quickly uh, and just runs those things through there up to 20 pages per minute or 40 pages per minute uh, with a standard resolution or 600 uh, DPIs, 20 pages per minute. Uh, then they've got the S 1300 I, which is the newest one. It's got the internet functionality. It also scans up to 600 DPI um, it can do 12 or 24 pages per minute. Uh, it can fit in a drawer if you need it, and it can also fit in luggage if you need to take it on a trip with you. And if you really want the portability, you get the ScanSnap S1100, which will also scan up to 600 dpi. It doesn't have a sheet feeder, though. It takes one sheet at a time. But, man, this thing's really small, so you can take it with you just about anywhere.
0: Yeah. And and right now they're even giving away a free, car- uh, really cool carrying case with the S1100.
1: Oh, that's a good idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and a year of of Evernote uh, premium free. So. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Well, it's never too late to get started with this stuff. Get yourself a ScanSnap, take last month's bills, and you know, change the way you store records.
0: Absolutely. Uh, You can find more information by uh, heading to our website and clicking on the link for ScanSnap over on the side. Or just head over to uh e Z dot com slash S S M P U. That scans for ScanSnap M P U. And uh they'll give you a breakdown of all the different models, all the different options, and you can hear all about the promos they've got going on right now. Yeah. Thanks, ScanSnap, for uh, your continued support of the show. All right, feedback. I think we're finally, finally catching up on feedback.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff in here. Yeah. Uh,
0: So our friend Chris from the Amateur Traveler podcast wrote in and told me that I missed the best feature of Card Munch, and that is because it's a LinkedIn application that it will look at the LinkedIn information associated with a contact, if your contact is registered with LinkedIn, if you snap their card, and that it will give you that information in addition to what's on the card. So, for example, if they have a profile picture in LinkedIn, it will pull in their LinkedIn profile picture. So if you're not so good with names, but maybe better with faces, uh, you can see their profile picture as well.
1: And, you know, Chris also asked about the um, why I'm so jumped up about this uh, Drafts app. Right. It's in my it's in my doc now. I, I'm just really getting into this thing. Uh, I, he said, you know, why don't you just open up Notepad? Or he didn't ask this, but why don't I just open up ByWord and just dictate or type into a file there? Uh the reason I like Draft so much is that it starts ready to type as soon mm-hmm. as you open it up. It opens with a blank note and I'm a big fan of Siri dictation so I can dictate into it and it's got these hooks into all these other apps. I can s- take stuff from there. I can put it into OmniFocus, I can put it into a mail message, I can I can put it in byword. Uh so I just like the functionality of being able to very quickly capture text. In fact, it's really reviving my hopes of getting serious about diarying with day one because it also can drive text into day one.
0: I am actually using drafts quite a bit for that, although I'm I'm not using it for personal journaling. I am starting to use day one. And again, a hat tip to Wendy for this idea – I, I'm using day one for keeping track of my professional activities and and more as a uh, where I am what I'm doing so I, I don't forget to actually build things when I get back to the office so I just pop open day one because it also has some um, uh, you know location based things so I'll pop open drafts I'll dictate something or I'll or I'll um, I'll peck it out real quick, and then I'll just send it off to day one. And like you said, it just pop, you know, or I'll send it off to Evernote or I'll send it off to Byword. Instead of having to have all of those applications in my dock, which would be impossible, or on my home screen or anywhere else, all I have to do is have uh, drafts and I've got easy
1: access to all of them. Yeah, I think it's really useful. So I think there's some other apps like it out there now. I I haven't even looked at them, but drafts is the one that, you know, I'm hooked on it. Uh, we got a message from Duncan, and I had made a comment that you know Siri won't read the emails to you, right? And Duncan had an interesting take on this. So if you go into your iPhone or iPad into General then Accessibility, and then click the tab for VoiceOver, uh, then you can actually select Voice text. On. Settings, Voice Over, Accessibility, Back button, Alert. Okay. Vo- okay. So I'm just button. playing with it here. Okay. Yeah. Button. Okay, Siri, stop now. Uh anyway, so you can go in and select text and have it speak it out for you. It's still a little bit hacky, you know, mm-hmm. and uh but you know, it's a I think that's where we're going. At some point, you know, I was talking earlier about future technologies, you'll be driving to work and just say Siri, you know, read my email to me. Well, you know, it seems like the hooks are it.
0: already here.
1: There's no reason she shouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's getting there, I guess. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to that, though. I, I really am a strong proponent of getting into dictation and voice technologies. Spend some time with Siri. Hit the little information button when you activate Siri if you've got a new phone and this is a new thing to you. And just play with that stuff because it works really well. I mean, I, I'm not going to make fun of it anymore because I use it every day. And not just to set a timer for making tea. I use it for all kinds of stuff.
0: I've been using Siri every day since I got my new iPhone 5. So, yeah. And I don't think that's all just novelty. Yeah. I think that would have worn off a little bit. So, I've been on Verizon, so I don't have the simultaneous voice and data anymore. And I was concerned in the last podcast that that could be, uh, wouldn't be a problem all the time, but it could potentially be a problem with maps. And I think you had said, well, no, GPS and data is different. So, once you got the map, You got it, and and your GPS will go from there. And Gabriel wrote in and said, well, actually, lack of simultaneous voice and data is going to be an issue for maps because the map data itself is streamed over the data network, and that although the GPS is a separate antenna, that doesn't really matter because if you're on a call, the map won't refresh and it won't display because the vector data still needs to be downloaded. And although because it's vector, it's much less data than Google Maps, there is still data. And... I uh I, I noticed this as well. I was on um although I wasn't on a call, I was using the voice navigation or using navigation just around town to see how accurate it was. And um I have uh the application that I recommended during our five bucks for iOS show, uh, data Man, because I'm a little concerned now I'm on this one gigabyte cap to see, okay, am I using my data, how much data am I using? And I noticed while I was, I was using the navigation, just driving around town for 20 minutes or so, not using any other data, not doing anything else in the background, that I started getting alerts on on Data Man, not using a ton of data, but just telling me, uh, hey, you just popped up to 20% of your use today. Uh, hey, you just popped up to 25% of your use today. So it, it is downloading data.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I think I I try to say it that way, and just because I was loopy at the time. Oh, was that the Dalrymple episode? Was I drunk that night? I, I could have been, no. But the, that, I meant that. It, you have to have the data in there, and if it's not there, you will get your GPS location on a grid that is nothing but a grid. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we heard from a lot of people about uh, reminders lists. This has been an ongoing theme. Uh, I'm actually think I'm going to write an article about this. Uh, But anyway, I talked about sharing. And one of the points I made was I'm really liking the Reminders app in essence of sharing lists with family members like the Target list and the Grocery list and the Costco list and things like that. So my wife can open Reminders on her phone and see the exact same stuff I've added from my end. And we've kind of developed that into a behavior where if I'm at the market, I'll just open it up. And if she's added something, I'll buy whatever she needs and vice versa. And after, during the period between the time we recorded that and the time, either when Mountain Lion came out or at some point they did an update,
0: I think where, it was when they did the update to iCloud, and now now you've got reminders and notes uh, is on iCloud.com. dot com.
1: Yeah, so it was the way I explained it on the show was you had to go to the website on iCloud.com dot com, and go to the calendar and go to the specific reminders list and then share it from there. And that disappeared. And someone wrote in and said, Dave, you know, that was a really good idea. I got all excited about doing it, went to the website, and it wasn't there. And then he went and found to an Apple Help article that said, yes, indeed, it's gone, which made me sad because this is something that we really like having in our family. And I was kind of disappointed that that feature would disappear. And then I believe the 10.8.2 update is where they fixed it because now you don't go to the website. Open the Reminders app on your Mac and – You have got the little sharing icon showing up on any list. If you just mouse over to the right side of the list, like I'm looking at my Apple store list, which I obviously would not share with my spouse because she can't know how much I want to buy at the Apple store. Uh, But if I I tapped on that, then it opens a little window and says, okay, type in the name of the person you want to share this with. And you can type in a name or an email address and it'll send them a note and then it'll enable sharing. So it, it went away and then it came back all in the period of a couple shows. So if you're still interested in sharing these lists from Reminders, uh, go and open Reminders on your Mac. I haven't explored it yet on the iOS devices to see if you can initiate sharing from there. You may be able to. I just haven't had time to check it out yet.
0: Yeah, and related to that, about the same time that all happened, did you notice we all got iCloud.com addresses too?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have one, but I've never used it. Just like I have a .me address that I never use.
0: Yeah, Weird. Yeah. I just noticed it because when I was in the mail application switching through to say, okay, which which address do you want to send this from? I had to – I almost sent something from the wrong account because I had to scroll down more. And I'm like, wait, what are, what are these?
1: Anyway. Yeah, it's not immediately obvious to me looking at the reminders on the iOS that I can share a list from here. I think that may need to happen from a Mac.
0: Uh, It definitely can happen from a Mac. I I had trouble finding it in Reminders on iOS, so I don't know that you can do it from there. Yeah. But um, anyway. Uh, I had a couple of people write in because I talked about how I'd actually switched recently from SuperDuper to Carbon Copy Cloner, and one of the features that I really liked about Carbon Copy Cloner is that it had the ability... Um, to verify the checksum of the data. So that could be a, a clue to tell you whether or not you had corrupt data. And uh, I, I, I think I probably explained that poorly because a lot of people said, you know, what Carbon Copy Cloner is going to do is it's just going to verify that what you copied is what you got. It's not going to tell you if you've got corrupt data or not. It's just going to tell you, you know, whether or not you copied what you meant to. If the data is already corrupt on your machine, it's going to make a perfect duplicate copy of your corrupt data, no problem. And, yeah. and, and that is correct. The The point that I made is that Carbon Copy Cloner probably would have warned me that the hard drive was failing because it would have said, uh, something's going on wrong here because you've got good data on your machine. My problem was is I copied good data to a bad hard drive which corrupted it. And so it probably would have warned me at that point saying, I'm not able to make this copy perfect. Yeah. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does. Okay.
0: Okay. Does. Um, so hopefully I explained it better at that time. So I, I get that it, it wouldn't help you for everything, but it, it may help for
1: for certain things. We also heard from Des, who was talking about um problem with losing the iCloud data. And he went on a little journey that led him to a couple websites explaining that, uh, that stuff is backed up locally on your hard drive, and you can actually go dig it out of a time machine backup as well. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put a link in because it's a hidden file. I mean, Apple does not make that easy. If, if you lose something from iCloud, uh, you need to recover it pretty quickly, but it is there.
0: And there were, there were all kinds of, of of hacks that came out about that because that, that, that hidden file, which I think is like in your library folders, isn't
1: it? Yeah, which you can't see. Which you can't see, work. so you
0: have to make it visible and do all these other things. But people were saying, "Oh yeah, just take that and you know put a symlink to it and put it in your, in your, uh, you know, toolbar or put it in Dropbox, and then you can sync with iCloud and Dropbox." I mean, there were all kinds of hacks going around about that. If 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 you're interested in those kind of things, those kind of make me nervous, though.
1: Well, those hacks were really popular before ten point eight, really, because Apple really hadn't flipped the switch in the Mac operating system to make this you know, seamless iCloud integration that they have now. I mean, we went a year with no ability to open a Pages iCloud document on the Mac. I mean,
0: Oh, no, you you could go drag it into the web interface.
1: Yeah, well, you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm sorry, that wasn't intuitive for you?
1: So people were doing these hacks and stuff. Now it's not nearly as necessary, although this is probably the best reason to need access to this stuff is if for some reason something gets crunched and you need to get an older version.
0: Well, it's probably just one of those things that you should store in the back of your mind that if something bad happens, there is a way to go back and get it, and I just need to know how to go Google for it so I can go find that knowledge.
1: Yeah. It's just a weird period that we're in as we move towards these cloud-based solutions. And in a lot of ways, it's like the old you know, cowboy days of computers where nobody really was sure how things were going to work, and everybody's trying different stuff. And there's no clear winner now. We've got, you know, different features, just like this show is about, you know, the simple pathfinder or the uh, the simple finder or the more complicated pathfinder. I think we have the same types of questions surrounding cloud storage, and I don't know where it's all going to shake out.
0: All right. Well, I think that's probably going to wrap us up for this episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I hope you guys get something out of this. I, this has been one of my pet projects, and maybe it had interest to you. Maybe it didn't, but... If you want to upgrade your Finder, there's definitely ways to do that with a couple bucks. Yeah.
0: You can find links to everything that we talked about in this show over on our website at macpowerusers.com or on the 5x5 site at 5x5.tv slash MPU.
1: You can also send us email to feedback at macpowerusers.com.
0: Yeah. Or we're on Twitter. The show is at MacPowerUsers. I'm at Katie Floyd or David is at MacSparky.
1: Yes, and uh, we love the iTunes comments. Please keep them coming.
0: Yeah, if you get a minute, go write us a review on iTunes. And if you if you have maybe written us a review before, and and it's been a while, you know, you can do those at least once a year. We we really appreciate it. It always makes my day to go in there and and see the nice things that people have written.
1: Yeah, and thanks to our sponsors today, that was a uh, Fujitsu and Gazelle, which is. Perfect time to use Gazelle, by the way, if you get yourself a new iPhone. And, of course, 1Password, one, one of our longtime sponsors, and one of my very favorite applications.
0: Yeah. And uh, next show, we are going to be talking to Jean McDonald, who is a, a lovely lady, a geek, uh, a rock star. Do you know
1: she was a rock star? Jean's a lot of things.
0: Yeah. A, uh, an amateur programmer, although I'm sure by the time we talk to her, she's not going to be a programmer, uh, and a marketing guru. So we'll we'll hear about how she uses her Macs for all of those things.
1: Yes. And, uh, you know, Katie, I just want to tell everybody thank you. Because today I had a really lousy day at work. And I came home and sitting here talking to you and podcasting, it just makes my day. I can't believe that you and I still get to do this.
0: It's pretty awesome, isn't it?
1: It is. Hey, everybody, go have a great day. And we will see you next week.